Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. John. 
ahead and be seated. Joy. We hear it and we think of happiness or laughter. But true joy far outweighs any fleeting emotions. Like a beautiful garment, joy is a response that we clothe ourselves with. And at this time of year, it's our heart's cry as we bear witness again to the birth of the Savior. And let's face it, there's not a person here who couldn't use a little more joy these days. So you're invited into that quality of joy, whether your life is full of happiness or not. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now, because Jesus is here now. This is joy. Welcome to Christmas. And that's true today. Um, I've heard it once said that happiness hinges on what's happening. It's kind of catchy, right? Happiness happens, I mean, happiness hinges on what's happening. But joy is much deeper than that. Today we're continuing our sermon series as we talk about joy. What it means to have joy in Jesus and knowing who he is, knowing what he's done for us and what he continues to do. And so I invite you to have your notes ready as we continue that sermon series today. If this is your first time with us here at Pequay Church, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for uh, giving us an opportunity to, to introduce uh, who we are and what we're about. And we are about connecting people with God and one another. And so that is, uh, that is what we want to do today. And uh, what you can do if you are a first time guest, you can simply take out your phone and text the word hello to 717-872-5679. That's just a really quick and easy way that we can say hello to you, tell you thank you for being here today. And if you have any questions, uh, we can text that right back to you. Also, if you, uh, maybe this is uh, your second time or third or you're a regular tender member, uh, we simply ask that you would take the gray card inside of your bulletin this morning, fill that out anytime during today's sermon uh, or in our worship time, maybe not during the sermon, I want you to listen to Pastor Jerry, but anytime uh, during today, you can fill out that card. Same thing. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, you can do that on that card as well. Uh, information there on the front and back. And have that card handy because we're going to ask you to, maybe if you made a decision, let us know about that because we're here to help you in that journey. We care about every aspect of your life and we want to be able to have that communication uh, open with you guys as well to be able to do that. Well, today as we talk about joy, you know, when we look at joy, we look at the things around us, that's looking at our circumstances, right? And if they're good, we feel good, right? If we have money in the bank, that's great. But when we don't, that's not so great, right? But joy is much deeper than that. That's joy is something that we can have that foundation as we know Jesus. And so that's what we're celebrating today. And I'm so glad that you're here doing that with me. So I'm going to invite you to stand once again as we continue worshiping together.
of the things that are happening around us in spite of our circumstances. I've already said that once, but repetition's our best teacher. So let's think about that today, that we can have joy no matter what. I've got joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle. I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven and my hope is secure. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. He gave me beauty for ashes, turned my life around. He broke my chains and now I dance on solid ground. For all he's done to save me, I will raise my voice. I've got Jesus. So I've got joy. He bore all of my burdens. Yeah, my debt has been paid. Then he said to my dry bones, rise above that grave. He has all of my worship, all the honor and praise. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. Save me, I will raise my voice. I've got you. 
have joy today. We can choose joy. Go ahead and be seated as we do this last song together tonight. I mean today, excuse me, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, reflecting on the beauty of who he is.
pray that Jesus would awaken your soul today and that you would discover joy as you're in his presence. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the joy that we can have in knowing you, Father. That in spite of circumstances, in spite of what's happening around us, God, in spite of our environment, we can choose joy. And so help us to do that, Lord. I know many times it's a struggle in our fast-paced society and the instantaneous things that we experience. Father, help us to know the joy of truly waiting, truly knowing, truly hoping. So, Father, I pray for those in this room today. I pray for those who are online, Father, who are viewing uh, today or next week or next month, God. I pray that today would be the day that we know where our true source of joy comes from. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Luke, we read about the most exciting event to ever happen in our world, the birth of Christ. Luke's gospel lays out a story filled with anticipation, intrigue, wonder, and hope-filled news for humankind. It was the day when God's great plan of salvation and redemption was irrevocably launched. And as we look to the cast of characters God gathered together, our eyes are open to a new response, focus, and growth in the Christmas season. As we begin to understand, like the shepherds, the joy that comes with receiving the truth of Christ. Well, it's coming down to the wire. In the book of it? Luke, we read about the most exciting... Let's watch it again. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Now, in all seriousness, you know, I was just thinking as I was watching that, that we really are coming down to the wire. I mean, we're two weeks out from Christmas Day, right? And with that, my mind goes to the fact that I know what happens about this time. I worked in retail for a while, and so I know today across this country, there are millions of parents going to do one of two things. They're either going to go online or they're going to head to the malls to look for that perfect Christmas gift, right? I mean, we've all done it. And the reality is, when I say the perfect Christmas gift, what I really mean in my definition of that is that gift that will light up our child's face and not end up in the back of the closet, you know, about 30 minutes after it's opened. You know what I'm talking about? And if you are a parent and you do know what I'm talking about, then you know how difficult it truly is to find that gift. It's a difficult search. It's a difficult process. In fact, I wouldn't even go. I spent some time, and I won't share it with you, but I've spent some time thinking as I prepared this how Lara and I, over the years, our kids are now all adults, but how many times Lara and I thought we had the perfect gift only to be disappointed, you know, only to have it end up in the closet or three minutes later, you know, laying on the floor and the kids are on to something else, and, and it's just disappointing. But the reality is, folks, we keep trying. Like you, we keep trying and hoping this year will be different. Now, the reason I share that with you is because I really want to contrast that with the very first Christmas gift, God's Christmas gift to us. If you haven't already, take out your outline and let me read it to you from Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8 through 20, I want to read to you God's gift to the presentation of this gift, the announcement of this gift, as Luke tells us about it. Here's what he writes. There were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shore around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, 
For I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in their hearts. The shepherds then returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I read that, I read that response of the shepherd to the first Christmas gifts, I go, that's what I wish I would get from the kids. You know, that, that kind of excitement, that kind of, I, I don't need them to praise me, but that kind of being thrilled about what just happened. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I don't say that because I'm cynical about my kids or even I'm cynical about your kids. The reason I say that is because I recognize that the gifts that I give, the gifts that you give, are, are affected by the law of diminishing returns. In other words, what I mean by that is the longer our kids have those gifts or the other person in our life has those gifts, use those gifts, then the reality is just the way the law of diminishing returns works is the less joy that gift's going to bring them. And so invariably, whether we like it or not, we need to face the facts that sooner or later, probably sooner than later, that gift, those gifts, are going to end up with all the other stuff in the back of the closet that brings, honestly, very little joy to their lives. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy presents. Don't hear me saying that. Don't tell your kids I said that. But the reality is what I really want us to do is contrast that, as I've already said, with the gift that God gave the first Christmas. Because Luke tells us that gift was altogether different. Because what Luke tells us is the fact whenever the shepherds receive that, the, the reality is it so profoundly impacted them that they couldn't contain their joy. That they literally could not contain their excitement and their thanks after receiving the gift. And if you know the teaching of Jesus, if you know his ministry, you know what he said, then that shouldn't surprise you. Because 30 years after his birth, Jesus said this. Take a look on your outline. It's found in John chapter 15, verse 11. And here's what Jesus said. He said, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And if you grew up like I did reading that in the NIV, then it said, Jesus says, I tell you these things so that your joy may be complete. Now, here's the reason I share that verse with you, because I want to ask you a question. And here's the question. Can you describe your joy in life like that? That your joy is overflowing? That your joy is truly complete? I want to say to you, if you don't describe your joy that way, but if you like to describe your joy that way, then you need to know this. That the joy that the shepherds experienced, as Scott has been saying all morning, was not based on their circumstances. Instead, it was based on God's glorious activity, gracious activity in their life and in the world. Because here's a fact, and we're going to look at it. Their circumstances were less than ideal. Their circumstances were far from perfect. 
Some of you have been here before, but let me just walk you through this if you're not familiar with shepherds in that day, because in that day, shepherds were considered the very lowest of classes. In fact, they were a group of people who perceived and, and thought about as being nomadic, uneducated, and completely untrustworthy. Insert there, thieves, swindlers, liars. That's how society, polite society, saw them. And so, for that reason, they were really relegated to the lowest step of the social ladder. I mean, really, no one was lower than shepherds in that culture. And it wasn't just the social cultural fact, it was the social and spiritual fact as well. Because religiously, they were seen just as low, just every bit as much undesirable as they were socially. And for that reason, here's the point. Everyone went out of their way to avoid shepherds, to not associate with shepherds. And yet, here's the thing we need to see. Here's what Luke really wants us to grab hold of in his telling of the first Christmas. He wants us to recognize that God sent an angel to these social outcasts, these spiritual outcasts, these people who no one thought they deserved their time, let alone God's time. God sent an angel to tell these people, the very first people, about the birth of his son. And the reason he did that, here's the important thing, here's what Luke wants us to get, the reason God did that is because God wanted them to understand, he wants us to understand, that he gave his Christmas gift to people who didn't deserve it. He wanted us to understand that his gift of Jesus was to people who didn't deserve it, people like shepherds, people like you and me. He wanted to understand that God was generously giving this gift of Jesus. And that's why Luke says this. He says, he writes, the angel said to them, do not be afraid for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Underline that, all people. Because when the shepherds heard that message from the angel, they realized that included them. That this gift wasn't just for other people, it was for all people, and they were in that group. And when the shepherds understood that, genuine joy began to percolate up in their life. Genuine joy began to get generated in their hearts. And so Luke tells us, with that realization, they instantly instantly went looking for Jesus. And here's why. Because everyone else, other than, the, other than the angel, constantly reminded this man, this group of people, that God didn't deserve to give them anything, let alone anything good. And so in that gratitude, in that excitement, in that joy, Luke tells us they immediately got up and rushed out into Bethlehem to look for the newborn Messiah. And when they find him, when they discovered him in the manger, Luke tells us their joy increased. It grew. Take a look at how he puts it. He says, after seeing him, and that's verse 17, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all for what they had seen and heard. Now, here's the reason I share all that with you folks, because believe it or not, that is exactly how your joy and my joy begins and grows. That's how true joy, the foundation of joy, the biblical idea of joy begins and grows, folks. It's when we hear about Jesus in the awareness of being undeserving, of being someone who does not deserve the grace or the goodness of gifts of God. When we hear about Jesus, that's how it begins. And it grows after we meet him. And the reason I'm saying that is because we need to understand from a biblical perspective that apart from that foundation, there is no hope of lasting joy in your life and mine. Because anything else we build our lives on, specifically our hope on, those things can fade. Those things can fall apart. 
Those things ultimately can be and will be forfeited in death, but not our relationship with Jesus. Because a relationship with Jesus not only remains and grows over time, but folks, it even remains and grows in death. And so what Luke wants us to understand, what the angel is communicating is that God's Christmas gift to Jesus is the only thing, the only thing in your life and mine that will never stop positively impacting, shaping, and transforming our lives, and therefore is the only thing that always, always will produce joy in our lives, regardless of our circumstances. So here's the reason I want to say that to you folks. So don't buy other people's negative view of you and then project it onto God. Don't, don't believe what people are telling you about you, and don't believe what you're telling yourself about yourself. The reality is, folks, the the good news of the Christmas story, the joy of the Christmas story, is that God's seeking and accepting love was first announced to a group of shepherds. In other words, a group of undeserving people, just like you and me. And so instead of telling yourself that God is mad at you, would you begin like the shepherds to tell yourself God is mad about you? That his head over heels in love with you? And his seeking and searching and finding love has your name on it. Now, with that understanding of the foundation of love underneath us, I want to talk to you about the, the mindset of joy. The mindset of joy. Because here's what I know, and I've taken time to do it this week, and you could do the same, but from the roughly 250 passages in the Bible that speak to us about joy, here is the takeaway. They clearly communicate to us, folks, that that our joy is not found, as Scott's been saying, in our circumstances. They are rather found in our mindset, a mindset that is built on who Jesus is and what he can mean to our lives. And it's only when we understand that that can we appreciate what the Apostle Paul wrote when he said this, uh, yeah, to... Apostle Paul to the Philippians said, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. In the reality of that command of God, that you and I are to be always joyful in the Lord, not in circumstances, but in the Lord, folks, really leads us to, to looking at what the shepherds can teach us about this mindset of joy. And the very first thing they teach us is this. And it seems self-evident, but it's worth saying. And that is, folks, we can choose joy. We can genuinely choose joy. Because I want you to follow this progression in Luke's record. He tells us in verse 11, the shepherd or the angel said to the shepherds, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And after saying that, Luke tells us, The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger. Now here's the reason I share that. What I want you to get from that, what I hope you notice in that, is nowhere does the angel tell these men to go looking for Jesus. They made that choice themselves. They made that decision themselves. It wasn't an order from God. It wasn't a command from God. These men chose themselves to go looking for Jesus. And so the implication is not directly expressed there in all these details, but what we're told is they hurried off. In other words, these men left their sheep unprotected and unguarded in the fields and rushed off to the town of Bethlehem to find this newborn Messiah. <clears throat> and I'm going to suggest to you that they did that for two reasons. 
The first reason is so they can confirm the good news, <clears throat> excuse me, the, confirm the good news that the angel had announced. But the second reason they did it was to experience great joy. Now let me tease this out. In other words, folks, what we need to understand is good news becomes great joy when it becomes personal. I think I could illustrate it to you like this. I think I'd help you understand what I'm trying to say. If I stood up here, and I wish I could, and told you I just inherited a million dollars, those of you who are gracious say, hey, Jerry, that's good news, right? But if I stood up here, and I said I inherited a million dollars, and I'm going to split it equally among all of us, that would be great news. That would be great joy, wouldn't it? And here's why I say that, because good news becomes great joy when we personally are impacted by that news. So here's what I want us to understand. After Luke said they found Jesus, we read the shepherds went back full of joy. And the reason Luke writes that and the reason that happened was because suddenly the good news the angel announced became personal. In other words, they realized that this gift that the angel was announcing, the gift that God was giving on that first Christmas, wasn't just to all people. It was to them. It was personal. And they realized that the only requirement God set for receiving the gift was knowing we need it. Now again, remember who these men were. Social outcasts. Social and spiritual outcasts. And so that requirement was fully met in their life because the way people treated them, the way people talked about them, constantly reminded them of their need, of the fact that they truly needed the Savior. They needed someone to love them and accept them and redeem them. Well, that's the first thing we learn from the shepherds about the mindset of joys. We can choose it. Here's the second thing. We can choose it no matter our circumstances. We can choose it no matter our circumstances. And here's what I want to say at this point, folks. Our bias is to do the exact opposite, isn't it? Scott's talked about it already. Our bias, my bias, I'll speak for myself, is to choose joy when everything's going good in my life. I mean, I'll just admit that to you. I'm, I'm as tempted to do that as anyone else, to be joyful when things are going good. But that wasn't what the shepherds did, at least not in this instance. Because instead, what Luke tells us, they chose to focus on who the baby was and what this newborn Messiah could mean to their life. They chose that rather than focusing on their less-than-ideal circumstances. But to appreciate that, let's just kind of net out their less-than-ideal circumstances. And to do that, let's go back to the very beginning of what Luke tells us, how he begins this account. Here's what he writes, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Now think about that. I mean, it's, it, it, we read it and we're so familiar with it, we could just blow by it. But folks, why in the world, let me put it in the form of a question, why in the world would the angel have to tell these men who fought bears and bandits for a living not to be afraid? I mean, they don't strike me as the cowardly kind, right? Why would he say these rough and ready men of the outdoors don't be afraid? I'll tell you why. Because what you need to understand biblically that's not expressed that Luke knew that his readers would understand is that it was understood in Jewish culture to see the Lord or to see the angel of the Lord was an omen of death. 
And so they, they see this angel, and the first thing, you know, went into their minds, to, to put it the way I would pay it, my goose is cooked, right? I'm a dead duck. I'm in serious trouble. That's why the angel reassures them. The very first thing he says is, don't be afraid. And if you study the Bible and you see appearances of angels, that's often the first thing they say. Why? Because of this belief. To see God or to see the angel of the Lord is to know that God is going to take your life. And so that's the first circumstance they, they had to come to grips with. Less than ideal. They thought that they were going to die. But by and far, the biggest challenge these men faced that they had overcome, we've already talked about it, and that was how polite society, respectable people, viewed them and treated them. They were unwelcome and unwanted. That's why Luke says, and, and again, we just blow by it, they were living out in the fields. Why? Because they were neither wanted nor welcome in the town of Bethlehem. Or for that matter, any town in Israel. They, they were simply unwanted. And yet, in spite of all those circumstances, things that would certainly for most of us say, you know, what's the use? Why go? Why listen? Why even take a step of faith? They still went to Bethlehem. They still looked for Jesus. And that's why when they found him, they were filled with joy. And I think that perfectly illustrates what I think the Apostle Paul had in mind when he wrote what he did in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Here's what we read. He said, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, have been called according to his purpose. In other words, what the shepherds understood and what Paul understood was that, folks, the reality is that God will, in fact, regardless of our circumstance, no matter how deep, how bad, how ugly, God can, God will, and God is working in all things for our good. That doesn't mean God causes all things, but that means we can rest assured, regardless of our circumstances, that God is working for our good, which means, just like the shepherds, you and I can choose joy even in the face of the most difficult and discouraging circumstances in our lives. We really can. Now, having said that, I, I want to ask you this question. And, and this isn't a trick question. It's just to get us going. But folks, can you remember, can you identify, don't shut it out, but can you identify, do you remember what the, the, the besetting habitual sin that the Israelites always fell into after the Exodus? I know some of you are thinking, is where our minds naturally go, is idolatry and certainly they were guilty of that but that wasn't their habitual repeated sin they fell into what the repeated sin they fell into was complaining complaining against their circumstances and complaining against their leaders now let me just hit pause there long enough to say to folks that doesn't mean the bible isn't teaching in that and i'm not suggesting in that that you and i can't be honest about our pain because we can't and I'm not suggesting that we can't express our struggles, because again, we can. What that teaches us, and what I'm suggesting, folks, is we need and we shouldn't complain about challenging situations and people, and here's why. Here's what we learn. Because in that situation, they're complaining, dishonored God, and ultimately angered God, and the reason why is because it's destructive to our joy. It's destructive to our faith. Because just as gratitude feeds our joy, folks, complaining, grousing, and grumbling starves it. And let me see if I can convince you of that and maybe demonstrate that to you this way. And this is kind of group participation. How many of you, think for a second, how many of you know somebody in your life that you would genuinely describe as a joyful person? Let me see your hands. 
How many of you know a joyful person? Okay, put your hands down. Now let me ask you this question about that person. How many of you would say that person's a complainer? A perpetual grumbler? Someone who's always grousing about something? Anyone? You know why we don't say that? Because the reality is, folks, complaining kills our joy. That's the reason we can't be a complainer and a person who is described as being joyful. Here's my point. Regardless of our circumstances, and I don't say this flippantly, I don't say it lightly, but the reality is what the shepherds teach us about the mindset of joy is we can choose joy regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of what others do to us, what others say about us, what we experience, what we think about ourselves, we can choose joy. And that leads us to the final thing the shepherds can teach us about the mindset of joy, and it's this. It's that it animates our faith. It animates our faith. You say, what do you mean by that, Jerry? Let me say it to you this way. What joy does, choosing joy does, folks, is it leads us, like it did the shepherds, to share the good news about Jesus with the people around us. That's what it does. Joy is contagious that way. Take a look at this. Follow, follow along in your notes. But after the shepherds found Jesus in the manger, just like the angels said they would, and, and they checked it out, Luke tells us this. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds say to them. Now let's slow down long enough to really appreciate what Luke is saying there, because he's telling us two very important things. Here's the first thing he's telling us. He's telling us that the ones who are so despised and mistrusted by their fellow Jews, so much so, in fact, that one of the standing rules was shepherds were not allowed to testify in court for no reason, ever. They were so mistrusted, so despised, they were never, ever allowed to testify in court. Yet these same people that were that despised, mistrusted, they couldn't testify in court, were chosen and entrusted by God to be the first witnesses to the birth of his son, not in a court, but in the entire community. That's the goodness of God. Here's the second thing Luke wants us to understand. He's telling us that even though no one in Bethlehem would give these men the time of day, these men made time before they went back to the fields to share with the people in Bethlehem the good news that the angel had shared with them. And specifically what they shared with them was that Jesus, this newborn baby, was Savior, Messiah, and Lord. You say, okay, yeah, I know that, but let's just unpack that because sharing that message, that message that Jesus is Savior, Messiah, and Lord was an incredible gift from the shepherds to the people of Bethlehem because those three titles, and that's what they are, those three titles reveal the significance, the true significance of the birth of Jesus. Let me unpack it for you real quickly. The first, Messiah, simply points to the fact that Jesus was the person God had promised to send so that his people could be led out of bondage of sin and into freedom. Spiritual, relational, emotional freedom. The second title the angel shared with the shepherds and the shepherds shared with the people of Bethlehem was Lord. And that word is literally, some of you know, just another reference or word for God. And so what the, shepherd, the angel was telling the shepherds, the shepherds were telling the people in Bethlehem, is this newborn baby was God in the flesh, come to earth. That's what they wanted to understand. That's what they needed to understand. And the third title is the most significant of all, and that's why the angel began with it, was Savior. 
And folks, what that did was that pointed the shepherds and then the people of Bethlehem to the fact that God who came in the flesh to earth came to intersect our deepest need. The deepest need in your life and mine, the deepest need in the shepherd's life and the people's lives in Bethlehem because left to ourselves, we are drowning in sin. And so we desperately need the lifeline of grace and forgiveness that only Jesus as Savior can truly throw to us, though no one else could provide for us. And Luke says, after sharing that incredible message with the people in Bethlehem, he says this, then the shepherds went back to their sheep, praising God and thanking him for everything they had seen and heard. You say, why did they do that? Why were they so full of joy? I'll tell you why. Because these men, these social and spiritual outcasts, suddenly had embraced the significance of Jesus' life, his, his birth, his coming. And so think about it, folks. These men who were neither valued or accepted by the people in the community, their fellow Jews, suddenly understood that they were now deeply accepted and valued by God himself. And friends, that is truly the joy of Christmas. Not costly gifts wrapped in paper placed under a tree, but a priceless child wrapped in cloths and placed in a manger. For the sake that you and I can know like the shepherds know that whatever we've done, whoever we've become, whatever people think about us, the reality is we land squarely and completely within the saving, redeeming grace and love of God. And for that reason, our joy can not only be complete, but folks, it truly can be overflowing. And so along with the angels of heaven, I simply say to you, praise God in highest heaven. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we just want to say, as we reflect on what you did and what you've taught us today, we just want to say thank you for sending the gift of Jesus to us. A gift that's like, not like any other gift that we could ever receive. Thank you for sending us a Savior. And Father, today I just ask for myself and I ask for us as a congregation, both here and online, I pray that you will not let us forget what a wonderful, amazing gift our salvation really is. Instead, would you fill us with a joy so complete, so overflowing, that like those shepherds, we feel compelled to share with others the good news about Jesus. So I ask you today to help us choose joy in spite of what others might say to us or do to us or even think about us. Because, Father, we want our lives characterized by joy. And so today we simply say thank you and we praise you for who you are and all you can mean to our lives as Savior, Messiah, and Lord. In Jesus, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you, Jerry, for that message today. You know, as we come to this time where we close our service, um, I want us to think of a few things. Maybe you are struggling with joy, and joy begins with Jesus. And so the first step to having joy is having a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have that relationship, then it's going to be hard to have the joy that we've talked about today. So maybe... 
God is stirring your heart, you would, uh, if you would take the opportunity, on the back of your gray connection card, there's a place there. If you're exploring that, if you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can check that there online. There'll be uh, the same thing that's going to be in the chat box there that you guys can do that as well. Secondly, Jerry talked about what steals our joy, and that is complaining. Maybe that's been something that you're struggling with. I know for us and our family, that's something that we continually work on. And what's the difference between joy and happiness, and what steals that is that complaining. So maybe if you're brave enough like me today to confess to you all to do that as well. Right on your card this morning, I struggle with complaining. I, I need prayer. I need someone to partner with me and help me come alongside me. So Because I want to be that person who is an encourager and not a person who is complaining and grumbling all the time. So we would love to pray along with you with that. Um, and we're not going to share that with anyone else. You can say that privately with us. But we need each other. That's what the church is for, and that's what we're here to do, is to come alongside and to help one another. And then lastly, I want to invite you to take those cards that are inside of your bulletin today and share those with your neighbors, your friends, people that you come across. We're going to have a service where we're going to look at each of the characters in the Christmas story that we've been talking about. Maybe not the exact same ones, but the ones that you know. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men. What do you think it might have been like for them personally? And so we're going to kind of take some liberty. We're going to have some personal interviews that you'll see. Mary's going to talk about what it was like to be a young mom, to be alone and giving birth to, to Jesus. And then what was it like for Joseph? Why did God choose him? And then for the shepherds, this good news that was for all people, as Jerry talked about today. And then lastly, the wise man, that people had waited, God's people had waited for over 400 years for a Savior, a Messiah, and he finally came. And that is good news that is great news, and that's what we want to share this Christmas Eve. So would you do that today? Check those places on your, on your card online in the, in the box there that you'll find as well. And then make plans to join us on the 24th as we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being here today and worshiping together with us. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you.